With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. In last week's episode, we heard an interview with Alex Foulon, one of Javier's friends. In that interview, Alex mentioned a guy named Nick Crum. Nick is someone we've also heard from through Javier and Corey Donovan. Both Javier and Corey say that on the night of the murders, they were hanging out with Nick Crum and Bo Nash. Now, a few weeks ago, we also heard Bo Nash's interview, and he mentions nothing about hanging out with Javier that night, but he does mention that there was a plan to see Becky that evening, and for whatever reason, that never happened. In Alex's interview, he also mentioned an incident at a mall where he and Nick Crum were together and they ran into Jacob's roommate, Austin Alba. What I want to point out to you before you hear the interview that I conducted about two weeks ago is that when I recorded this interview, neither the interview with Bo Nash or the interview with Alex Foulon had aired yet, meaning that the person that I'm speaking with hadn't heard those interviews yet when he gave this interview to me. After hearing his name mentioned on a podcast several times, this person reached out to me and said he wanted to talk. This is Season 12, Episode 22, Nick Crumb. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick. Uh, so I, we've got a lot of a lot of ground to cover. I've got a lot of questions for you, and I know it's been a long time. Uh, so first, I just got want to lay a little bit of groundwork. So your name is brought up over and over again in this investigation by kind of Javier and his group of friends. Can you kind of share with me your at the at the time of the murders, all the way back in two thousand six? What was your relationship to you know Javier and Corey and Bo and those guys? And your relationship with like Robert and Christian, were you like friends with all of them or who'd you hang out with? How, how did you fit into this mix? Yeah. So, so we, I kind of started hanging out with, uh, with Javier in, uh, in high school. Uh, we all went to Cathedral city high and, uh, there was like a, a tree with a, we have like these little three foot, you know, concrete planters that, uh, 
we kind of hung out around at like lunchtime and stuff. And it was, it was usually, uh, Robert and Christian and Javi and Alex Fulon and Bo was kind of in and out of the mix a little bit, but I mean, that, that's how we all met. We just, you know, from, from high school and, um, I didn't really start hanging out with all of them outside of school until after we graduated. And that was, I didn't really hang out with Robert and Chris. Robert had gone over to my house maybe two times and I'd been over to his house like once, you know, we, we weren't like the best of friends or anything, but, but, uh, but Javier and Bo and, uh, and Corey and all them, we really started hanging out more so after we graduated because me and Bo worked together at circuit city and Alex Fulon worked there too. Gotcha. So, so after like by this, so you guys graduated in the, in the, in the spring, and then you know that the, by that fall, is, it seemed like you were you were spending more time with Javier and them than you were with Robert and Christian. Yeah, yeah, I I, I didn't really talk to to Robert and Christian much after after high school. Um, that we kind of you know went went separate ways. You know, did you guys stay close after you know? I mean, over the years after high school, did you ever kind of reconnect with Robert and Christian, or did you just never really? No, I I. No, I, so I get, uh, Robert, I guess, or not Robert, uh, Christian, you know, joined, joined the army. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't even know that until years later because I ended up joining the army. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I like I said, I, I didn't really talk to them at all. I think, I think I talked to Robert once when I came back from my first deployment, um, at Sam Gayer's house. Okay. And, uh, and that was that was pretty, much, and it was very brief. It wasn't like you know, um, we went out and did anything. I just kind of chatted a little bit at Sam's house, and then and then I, I ended up having to leave. Okay. Now, um, before we get into kind of your recollection thing, I just kind of reviewed the police never talked to you back, and if they did, it's not in the reports that I've seen. Did they ever talk to you back in two thousand six, like right after the murders? They spoke to me briefly the the day. At that Monday, because uh-huh. um, me and Bo were at work at Circuit City, and uh, we 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 were uh, we worked in the computer and camera department, which was at the time it was in the kind of in the back of the store, and we saw two you know Riverside County Sheriff's deputies come in the door, and then they went to that front like customer service desk right there, mm-hmm. and they started talking to our boss, and then I see our boss like point back at us, and then they start walking over, and I'm looking at Bo, I'm like, dude, what do we do? Right. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> So, and then uh, they they came up and kind of they didn't really tell us much, but they were more so asking, you know, where you know where were you guys last night, and uh, and, and that and, and that's kind of how I first heard about it. And then about um, and again, we didn't really know what was going on. They didn't give us too many details. And then uh, maybe an hour or so after that, Javier showed up and was like, you know, there's a fire up at Becky's house, and you know, we got to go up there and and. Well, and so me and Bo ended up actually leaving work, and we took Bo's car up there, and uh, it was me, Bo, and Javi, and we get up, and I mean, there were still fire trucks and EMS and, and cops everywhere, and uh, they're, like, getting out of the car, and like, what are you guys doing, you know, and, they, and uh, they're like, well, we want to go see what's going on, and I was like, dude, they're not going to tell us anything, we're, you know, like, I... I saw, I stayed in the car and they got out. And then when Javier and them came back, that's when he was like, dude, there's like body bags up there and there's her Becky's car is there. And you know, 
that's when we kind of started piecing stuff together, but we still didn't know that it was a, I guess, a, a homicide at that point. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, uh, Bo did do an interview with police up at the scene. Did he go up there? Cause I thought it was in the morning. It was like at 1230 in the afternoon that Monday. Yeah. yeah oh. It was like, it was like right around 11 ish. Like those cop, the cop, the two deputies came in probably around nine or 10. And then, and then very shortly after, I mean, we left work early. Like we didn't stay to the end of our shift. We, we left. Oh, gotcha. And I wanted, it was, it was probably around 11, 11 30 that we headed up there. Yeah. And we, and we worked at the circuit city on one eleven, So it wasn't, too far from Highway 74, you know. Gotcha. So wanted to get up there. And and Nick Corline was up there too. Did he drive separate from the rest yeah, of you guys? I, I never saw. I never. I never saw him. I don't know if if he was up there. Then yeah, he drove separately because he wasn't with us. Okay. Yeah, I know. And actually, his red truck was mentioned in the in the interview. And you, I take you guys weren't in that truck. You were in were you in Javi's car. No, Whose car did you go up with? No, we were in Bo. Bo had a, a WRX STI Subaru, and we took that up the mountain because it was fast. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, so now in that interview at Circuit City, I, I see where they went to Circuit City and they like pulled your guys' timesheets and stuff, which I think happened after the fact. But I don't I didn't see where they even documented that they um, interviewed you guys there, which is interesting because I'm gonna left. That's just something I need to look into later because um, it seems I, like I did another I did another short interview at their at their substation on on one eleven also. Um, I cut probably a day or two later, but I don't, it was, it was, again, it was very short. It wasn't, you know, like I, I heard Javi's interview on your podcast and I was like, good Lord, this is long. Mine wasn't anywhere near that long. <laughs> you know, mine was probably, I was probably there for 10 minutes maybe. Right. Yeah. And see, and I haven't, I've, I've searched everywhere. I've tried to, and I, I can't seem to find any interviews with you. So I don't think they documented them or they're just not in my file, but there are two interviews with you in the file from, 2015, where one of the officers called you and you talked to him on the phone for a little while, and then in 2016, uh, where you had called them, um, or, or maybe it was the other way around, but there was the, the two later interviews that were nine and ten years later. Uh, yeah. and, and one thing that I wanted to that I wanted to uh, touch base with with you on before we kind of move into this is in one of the in the first interview you didn't seem to really know who Austin Alba was. Like you were, you were, you remembered that Jacob had a roommate and they kind of, they kind of um, rebooted your memory when they mentioned an, the incident at the mall and you remembered that, but you weren't yeah, sure. Yeah. That, I, yeah, that was, um, I, I didn't really hang out with Jacob or Austin by myself. If, if we were over there, it's because we were with Javi and Javi was going over there. You know, right. I, 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 to be honest with you, I didn't really like Jacob and I didn't really have any feelings about his roommate. I, I, I thought Jacob was, was weird to be honest with you. I didn't really like him. So I wasn't like hanging out with him by himself. But yeah, when they, when they mentioned the mall incident, it was like, it was like a bell went off. I was like, Oh man, yeah, I totally forgot about that. You know? Yeah. And, and, and the other thing that I noticed be- between those two, was they had asked you about a shotgun in the first one that you didn't seem to remember, and then the second time you did remember. Now, I know from listening to other interviews, other people way back in 2006 said you had told them that. But did you, what did you, I just want to make sure that we be, get clear kind of on the record. Like, how did you, did you just think about it? Did you talk to other people? How did you kind of. Re- I, I started just kind of like really trying to think back at like just anything that kind of stood out, you know, any, anything that I could think of that was. I don't, that just kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I do remember cause as, as soon as I turned 18, 
I, I, I've always, you know, liked guns. And, uh, as soon as I turned 18, I, I bought a shotgun mm-hmm. and, um, I've got a Mossberg 500. And, uh, I remember talking about it one time at, uh, at Jacob's and his, his roommate kind of overheard and was all excited because he had just bought one. Okay. And he wanted to show it to me. So he, he brought it like out and was showing it to me. Um, but that, I mean, that's all I, you know, that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't talking anything crazy or anything. He just was showing me the shotgun because right. I, I also had one, you know? Sure. Okay. So let's go ahead and back up and to see what you remember. There's, uh, I know you said you've been listening along with some of the podcasts and there's all kinds of, and, and there's just so that my listeners know you and I are recording this on Friday the 5th. So it's, there's two episodes that are coming that are going to, they're going to hear before they hear this. Uh, but you haven't heard them yet. Um, so I want to make sure they know that. Um, so the, the night of the, of the murders, you and Bo were working at circuit. What I know is from the time records is you guys were working at circuit city and you both got off a little bit after eight. I think one of you got off at like eight Oh three and one of you got off at like eight 20 that night. Uh, yeah. do you remember what you guys did that night or, you know, cause I know you, you probably had to recall it back then. Yes. We were supposed to go to Denny's to meet with, with Becky. And I don't know if that's that what Javier was talking about in his interview where he had to drop off the, that parking pass or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't really, I don't really know. We were supposed to meet there. Who's we was that? Friends. You, uh, it was, it was the whole group. It was me, Bo, uh, Alex Fulon, there's a couple other people I think that were kind of n- new to the group that that were coming. I can't I can't even remember their name right now. And mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Javier was supposed to be there, and then uh, uh, Corey Donovan. And okay. from, what, from what I thought was we were doing was waiting for Becky to get off work and then go to a party. But I guess she worked the graveyard. So I didn't I like I knew Becky, but I didn't. I wasn't like real great friends. With I, I hung out with her when she hung out with the group. Okay. Know? So I didn't, I didn't know her work schedule. That's what that was my understanding of what we were doing over there. But I guess that's not what we were going there for. But when when we got there, that's when we found out that she, you know, she didn't wasn't at work that day, and uh, we ended up leaving. And, and uh, I don't even, I don't even think we went to the party that night because I was like, well, I got to work in the morning, you know. So. So, so you, so that group you just described, including Javier, you guys all actually went to Denny's. No, so, so me, Alex, and Bo were at Denny's. Okay, I, I, I think that was it. There, I think there was. It might have been Artie. Might have been there. I feel like there's more than three of us, but I, I, know, I can tell you for sure, Javier wasn't there. I can't remember if Corey was there or not. But I can tell you for sure that that Javi wasn't there, I, you know, because I know that he he used me as an alibi, and I was like, and I had to really think about that. I was like, no, I wasn't even with him that night. Did you did, did that come up with the police way back no, then? I don't not not that I can recall. No. Well, that well, what, what's interesting as I'm because I'm I didn't real I didn't realize they even talked to you back then because it's not on the report. But it's interesting because I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that if the day after the murders they're talking to you and interviewing you what they would be asking you is what were you doing last night? Right. And then obviously you're saying you weren't with Javier, which is a direct conflict with what Javier says. And somehow that interview's not in the file anywhere. Well, and, and you know, that's, 
you went through the phone records. I mean, I called him at what nine forty seven or yeah. something like that, and talked to him for I think two minutes, and then I called him at what nine or I think I called him at nine thirty something, talked to him for two minutes, and called him again at nine forty seven, then again at nine fifty three. And those two second calls or those two last calls that I made didn't even go through. He didn't even answer. So right, yeah, yeah. There was a nine twenty six call. It's two minutes, and I don't know if you talked to him or if that was a voicemail or yeah, what. I, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly, at this yeah. point. <laughs> but then 947, 953, there's no, um, right. you guys, you didn't connect. He didn't answer those calls. So through the night, and again, to, to back up, because this is verified by your timesheets that, that are in the case file, by 820, you were off work. And, and so an hour later, you called Javier, and then yeah. you called him again 45, you know, 20 minutes after that. And then you called him again after that and it didn't connect. Uh, and what he had told police was that he'd gone on to Corey's and then he and Corey hooked up with you and Bo and you guys hung out all night. But I, I noticed in your later interviews in 2015 and 2016 that you didn't, um, you never said you were with him. And then I, I happened to think back, I kind of assumed it, but I went back and, and listened to Bo's interview, which you haven't heard yet, but the audience will hear before they hear this. Bo also never says that he was with Javier. And so that was one of the things I wanted to confirm with you. Did you ever see Javier that night? No, I did not. And and that's the other thing too, because so in Corey Donovan's interview, he said that, or maybe it was, maybe it was Javier's interview. They said that we met at Javier's house. Yeah, they both said Javier's that. Javier's car. And I can tell you right now, I've been to Javier's house maybe four times. Mm-hmm. And every time it, it wasn't, I wasn't parking my car and getting in his. He had a, a like a, that raggedy intrepid. I, I'd rather take my, I had an expedition with room for everybody. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if I was going to take a car, I'd just take mine, you know? But um, every time I've been over to Javier's house, it was hanging out in the backyard because his, his mom was, was gone a lot. Uh-huh. So he would usually have the house to himself or, or his sister would be there. Um, but she'd be kind of back in her room, not bothering us. And we'd kind of, you know, hang out in the backyard and smoke and, you know, and hang out. But I, I've been there maybe four times, you know, and, and never once did I meet him there, leave my car and get in his and, and take off and go somewhere else. So what do you, what do you think about that when you were listening and because you know, I don't often get to hear people who, who got to hear someone else's interview. When you were listening to both Javier and Corey both tell the same story that they went to your house and that they hung out with you all night that night, what did you? What, what were your thoughts? I mean, I, 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 I've kind of been. I, I, I had heard before that they had used me as an alibi, but I hadn't actually heard the interviews. Mm-hmm. And I was saying the same thing, you know, what seven years ago that I wasn't with him. So it wasn't really a surprise to hear it, uh-huh. but, um, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is, I mean, it's, it's strange. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than it, it, it's definitely strange, but, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know why they, I don't know why they did what they did. I don't know. What what were things like in the weeks and months? You know th- th- that time right after the murders. Were you hanging around? Well, actually, let me back up because uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is 
So you said the plan that night was you were all going to hook up, including Javier, and go to Denny's to see Becky. Yeah. But then you and Nick is um uh you are you and Bo were both calling Javier and you end up not hooking up now now Bo or Javier called Bo at nine thirty, kind of between your calls. Um so I don't yeah, I, I don't know if you remember um what went on with that. It was another short short conversation or it didn't connect or whatever. So there was there was one call because that's that one call to Bo is really what alibis Javier because it appears that he was using his phone to call, you know, from the valley right at the time when the murders were, or at least when the fires were being started and stuff like that. Uh, right. Do you remember why Javier ended up not connecting with you guys? Did he say he wasn't going, or did he just not show up? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I, I I don't remember why. Okay. Um, but I know because I I had already gone to Denny's at that point and kind of linked up with the other other group you know mm-hmm. and uh once we saw that becky wasn't there i didn't know she called out sick or, or what i didn't really all i know is she didn't show up so i, I was like, all right well i'm going to bed <laughs> you know so I, I gotta work in the morning right yeah and i think uh, i think bo says in his interview it, it, it kind of fits with what you're saying that you were meeting there um because he says he, I, th- I think that if i'm remembering correctly he says that he didn't say that about the didn't mention anything about the Denny's trip, but he says eventually the plan was then to go up to Becky's, you know, with her when she got off work or whatever or something like that. Um, yeah, see, and that's why I think we, me and somebody, I, you know, Javier knew, knew her work schedule more than I did for sure. I, I I didn't know if she you know got off at midnight or if she worked, but if it, from what it sounded like, she doesn't get off till like almost five in the morning. So right. I don't see why we would have gone up to Becky's house. What was, uh, so. what was Bo's relationship with her? Because there was also something interesting in his interview, and I don't know if he misspoke or what, but it certainly caught my attention. Where he um, he says that, or I'll go ahead and answer that first. What was his relationship with her? Was he closer I, to her than I, you were? I I think he was. Yeah, I, I um I really don't know. I know that Bo and Javier hung out. You know sometimes without the group and stuff like that. And I hung out with Bo without, without the group. And I hung out with Alex without the group, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I really don't, I mean, as far as when we were as a whole, as a group, I mean, everybody got along well and, and you know, hung out and partied and had a, had a good old time, you know, but as far as, you know, what they, what Becky and Bo's relationship was outside of the group, I really don't, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, well what was interesting is, Bo says in his interview that on the night, the day of the murders, that while Becky was driving up the hill and he was at work at Circuit City, that he was talking to Becky on the phone while she was driving up there. Um, which, which the, the the very interesting part about that is during that drive, the phone records show that she was talking to Javier, and and, and his interview was recent. It was like the next day. Uh, he yeah. he says that he was talking to her and uh and and I'm, what I'm not what I'm I'm not getting at that like Bo seems to be a suspect or anything. But what I'm getting at is is there's these weird things with Javier's phone, and Bo seemed very sure that he was talking to her while he was at work, and I can't figure out how that could be uh, that that he was that he was talking to her. Did, did you guys ever talk about that, or do you remember anything about that? Did uh, he ever I, talk to her? I, I have no idea. 
Do you still have any contact with, with Bo or Alex or any of the guys from back then? No, I'll be honest with you. That's kind of part of the reason I joined the Army because me and Bo actually got arrested together. And uh, I just need, I was I needed to get away from the crowd that I was hanging out with. So that's sure. kind of why I joined the Army to, to just kind of get away from everything, you know, doing drugs and drinking every night and, you know, just, because you know, it was more than just weed getting smoked. It was, you know, coke and, you know, so I, I, I got I to gotta get out of here. Right. Know? Are you comfortable sharing what you were arrested for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I was for petty theft. Okay. At, at Walmart. And, and, and that was one of the turning moments for me because it was me and Bo. And we, I'm, I'm being, <laughs> if my mom listens to this, she's going to be pissed at me. We we wanted to we we wanted to buy some coke, and uh, I I only had like thirty five bucks, and I think I, I called the guy and uh, he he said he could give me a gram for fifty bucks, and Bo was like, well, I got this PlayStation Two, man, we can just take it over to uh, GameStop and trade it in, and they'll give us the money, and then we'll have the money to buy the coke. And I was like, all right, so we get to GameStop, but he didn't have a controller for it. I think he only had like a Guitar Hero controller. Mm-hmm. And when we got to GameStop, they're like, well, we need at least one original controller or we can't take it. So we went over to Walmart, which is in the same parking lot on the, on Monterey, down by Thousand Palms, kind of. And uh, uh, they got in there. It was, it was probably 10 o'clock at night. And uh, I looked at the PlayStation 2 controllers, and they're like 25 bucks. I was like, well, I'm not going to make any money if we, do, if we buy the controller. And, right. You know, that was, that was back when Walmart was open 24 hours uh-huh. still. And they were they were unboxing everything, and one of the guys left his box cutter out. So I walked by with the controller, cut the the container open, and put it in my pants, and walked out and got caught. So gotcha. And that, and that was, was the night that I was I was like, dude, this is becoming a problem. I'm like stealing stuff to buy drugs now. Like this is this is a problem. Yeah, it's kind of when you say it out loud, it's a yeah, <laughs> you realize yeah. it's an issue. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Uh, and on that on that thread, um, as far as the drug, like we know Becky smoke pot everybody was pretty open about that and pretty much everybody in the group was smoking pot do you yeah. know if, if if she was into any harder drugs or if there was a, if anybody in the group was like selling or dealing or growing or anything not not uh well alex uh Fulon was was uh he, he was dealing um like weed here and there but not like he wasn't like some major you know kingpin or something you know he was just but then uh when i left for the for the army and i came back from my first deployment i kind of visited with alex at his house and that was when he was he had like a a lot of cocaine in the house and like and like he was selling it and i was like dude i I can't even be here i gotta go like if the cops roll in here i'm in the army dude like i'm done right (laughs) like I'm i'm gonna get kicked out of the army if i get caught in here Right, but as far as at that point in time, no, I don't, I don't really think anybody in our group was like dealing copious amounts of it. I mean, guys would buy, you know, you know, a quarter of weed, and then they'd like sell it out in in like dime bags in the group. You know what I mean? Like, right. Let me, buy it, let, me, let me get twenty bucks worth of weed from you. You know what I mean? It was, but nothing, you know, nothing crazy. And, and as far as Becky's. Uh, Outside of outside of weed, I, I don't I don't know. Like I I never did coke or anything with Becky, so I, I mean I don't know. Okay, do you know was was Javier into anything other than just weed? 
Um, he had done coke with me and Bo once or twice, but I can't remember if that was before or after all that. I want to say it was after. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, okay. So now let me go back to what I started to ask before. So the night of the murders, the plan was you guys were all going to, including Javier, you're all going to meet up and go to Denny's. For whatever reason, you end up not connecting with Javier. You guys go to Denny's without him, you and Bo, and and some other folks, and Becky's not there, so you go home. Um, the next day, you go to work in the morning, police show up, and you end up going out to the crime scene. They get interviewed. You never get out of the car. Um, after after that, like, what was what was Javier like during that time, or anybody in the group? Because you know, every, this, this whole you know, Nick Corline and Javier and Corey Donovan, um, all these guys, you know, even Jacob and his roommate Austin, you know, all the, all these guys are all, you know, interconnected at least through phone records or connected through Becky and are all trying to tell the same story that doesn't, they're not doing it very well. Um, right. what, what was things like through there? Did people, did it, was anybody suspecting anybody? What was life well, like then? It was, at, at that point in time, like early on, nobody really was, I'm, I guess, necessarily pointing at somebody or even really weird. People were throwing theories around about, you know, maybe it's somebody that, you know, her, her biological dad locked up and thought that that was, you know, his house. And because he was, you know, he was a, a cop for however long, you know, I think he retired from the police force. And, uh, you know, there are some, some theories that went around, but, um, I mean, after the, uh, the, the murders and stuff, there was probably a couple days later, uh, we were at a party in Palm Desert. I don't remember where it was. It was at some, it was at somebody's apartment that I didn't know, but somebody in the group knew. So we were all there and, um, Javier was sitting on the couch and he was being like kind of down and mopey you know mm-hmm. and uh so i was like and he was looking he had one of those uh sidekick cell phones one of the screen to pop up with the keyboard underneath yeah and uh he was looking at his phone and i was like you all right man and he was like yeah dude i'm just looking at pictures of becky you know and i was like all right and i kind of was like standing kind of behind his shoulder and as he's going through the photos on his phone there was a picture that he got to of of the wheelbarrow that but it was like after the fact, like, cause you know, they, they left that wheelbarrow up, up, up there. Right. And, but it was what he said. He was like, he was like, look, man, you can see like where her skin was burned onto the, and I was like, why do you have that? And he goes, well, I just wanted something to remember her by. And I was like, of, of all the things that you could have, why would you want that? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was really strange. Um, what, what was their, I have a hard time putting my finger on what that relationship was like. You know, he says in his interviews that they were just friends and never really wanted to be more than just friends. That's what he says. I mean, anything I say is obviously just speculation, but I I think that he wanted more and got stuck in the friend zone. And I guess it's it's better to be there just in case than not at all. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he never but said anything to you about like wanting it, more. It, Yeah, well, and, you know, Becky, 
she, she was one of the guys, you know what I mean? Like she had a foul mouth and, and re- crude sense of humor, you know? So she got along with the guys really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she was, it seemed like she would kind of tease Javi a little, like, I'm going to say a lot, but there was definitely times where like, you could tell him like, dude, like she, she's getting teased and, and like, but you know, as far as, when you say teased, you mean like like let on or like just like yeah? On? I mean no, but just like like certain things like like would get real close, like like looking like they're about to kiss or she's about to kiss him or something. They would like like stop or like just give him a hug or something. You know what I mean? Just like me- kind of mess with them a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. And it was you know, if you ask Javi, it's all in good fun and like he, he knew, but you know, I, I mean I don't I don't know what his mental state was on all of that. You know I don't know what his thought process was on any of that, but. Um, I just, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, what I know about that. I mean, like I said, apparently they hung out a lot more than by themselves and with the group, you know? Sure. So, um, yeah, it seemed like they were kind of attached at the hip from the, yeah, what he says yeah. in their phone records and everything. Right. Um, so, so we continue. So, so just shortly after the murder, Javier staring at this picture of the, of the wheelbarrow and all that. Um, there were a few other incidents that you described to the police in your, in your later interviews. Um, one was, which we just touched on a minute ago. We already said that you were, well, you, you mentioned that Austin showed you a shotgun that he had. Um, do you remember if that was before or after the murders? That was before, that was before, before the murders. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, and there was, there was also an incident you talked about where you, you were going out with Javier to get something out of his car. Yeah. Um, I actually wasn't going out with Javier. I was, uh, we were at, at Jacob's apartment and it was over there in Palm desert. And it's, uh, it's not like an enclosed apartment complex. So you have a park on the street and it's not like a gated, you know, it's not a gated apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And he was up on the second floor. And, uh, Javier asked me if I could go get the beer out of the car. And I was like, yeah. So I grabbed his keys and I walked down to the car and I popped the trunk and, and there was, and at the time, I wasn't really thinking anything too crazy, but there was a, like a shovel and a gas can, like a little one-gallon gas can, and some like black contractor's trash bags back there. And there was some dirt and stuff in the back. And then it kind of spooked me because I heard from behind me, like at a distance, like, hey, brother, what are you doing? And I turn around, and Javier's like watching me from the top of the staircase to mm-hmm. his cousin's apartment. And I was like, I'm trying to get the beer, man. And he goes, it's in the back seat. And I was like, oh, all right. So I shut the trunk and I opened the back seat and I got the beer and I came up. But I thought, I was like, why are you watching me get the beer out of your car? Why didn't you, if you're just going to walk to the door, why don't you just go down and get it yourself? You know, like, when, when was that in relation to the murders? That was maybe, uh, it was with, it was within a week. And then, and then, you know, shortly after that was when, we were going up to a party at Nick Corline's house and then miraculously Javier crashes his car into a tree on the way up there on the dirt road. And then his car gets towed and totaled and never see it again. Hmm. So it was within a week after the murders. It was after or before the murders. It was after it was after. So in the week after the murders, you incidentally pop his trunk and there's, you said there's gas cans, shovels and there's one, one one gas can and a shovel and and those like black contractor bags yeah 
Did you ask him about it? No. Okay. Did 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 Javier? I know he worked at a restaurant. Did he? Is there anything that he did that would require shovels and gas cans to be in his trunk? No, not that I'm not. I mean, not that I'm aware. No. You just just from the what, what I've seen of him so far and knowing what you know, what his work was, it just it doesn't seem like he's out doing landscaping or anything. Right, and that and that's why I, I brought it up when I got interviewed. You know, later was because that that was something that I did kind of start thinking about. But I was like, well, what you know? I don't know what significance it is. I guess I didn't want to waste people's time. You know, but you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, it's kind of significant, but maybe not. You know, but that, I should have probably said something sooner about it. But like I said, my interview was very short. Like they didn't really ask me anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, was that something that you you think you told the the investigators back in 2006 or not till 10 years no, later? No, because I think I, I know I, I had spoke to investigators before that. Actually. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then the other, um, the other incident that you mentioned in that interview was, uh, was an incident where you and Alex Fulon were at the mall, which I think was, you know, probably a month or two, a couple months after the murder. Yeah. Yeah. That was super weird. Um, so I was dating a girl named Jessica at the time, uh, Jessica Brando. And, um, we had gotten into an argument about something. It was, it was me, her and Alex there. And I don't remember what the argument was about, but she ended up kind of storming off and walking away. And I guess Austin was at the, I mean, he wasn't there with me, but I guess he was at the mall and he kind of caught the tail end of, of that. Uh-huh. And then he, he, he walked up to me and Alex and he looked at me and he goes, he goes, you want me to take care of her for you? And I was like, what? No. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, well, you remember what happened to the last bitch that pissed me off? And then he started like kind of laughing and then just walked off. That was Austin Alba. Uh, yeah. Jacob's yeah. roommate. Yeah. And I, and I know he didn't like Becky because he always referred to her as, you know, a bitch or, or that bitch or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I know he didn't like her, but you know, did he not like her enough to kill her? I don't, I don't know. He, yeah, and that, that uh, Alex Boulan told police this, that the same story you just relayed, but he told him that back in 2000, back in 2007, um, and said that you were, that you were there with him. I know you've heard it now on the podcast, but. Did anybody or Javier, anybody mention the fact back then that Austin had gone to Becky's work and gotten a fight with her the day before? No, the murders? I, didn't, I didn't even know about that until I listened, started listening to the podcast. Um, I, I didn't even know. And then once I heard that, I was like, oh, man, not looking good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, but no, I, I didn't even know about that. I didn't know about the whole, uh, you know, Becky apparently sleeping with her co-worker's husband or something, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't know about that either, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you didn't really like Jacob because you thought he was weird. What was it about him that you didn't like? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He just, he was just weird. He was just, a, he, and Javi started doing it when he started hanging out with Jacob more too, but his, his cousin Jacob would always, he, he would talk in this like really weird register of like, voice and it was almost like a bob ross kind of like mm-hmm. but he would always be like hey what's going on brother and and it was just, and like 
like I bought weed from him one time, and I was I was like, uh, can I just get a gram? And he was like, yeah, it's gonna be a twenty doll hairs, brother. And I was so I handed him like a twenty. He's like, no, no, no. I said a uh, twenty doll hairs, and I was like, okay, <laughs> you want the twenty or you want me to go buy a Barbie doll? Like we right, you like it's just things like that. I was like, this 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 is weird, man. Can you just talk to me like a normal person, you know? And, and but he was always kind of like that, and I I just thought it was weird, and I didn't like it, and I. I didn't have a problem with him personally, like with the group. I just thought he was weird. Yeah. You know, not Did, the type of person that I'd go hang out with on the weekend by myself. Sure. Did, now you say you bought some weed from him. Was it, was he just one of the same guys that just, you know, bought a quarter and then split it up? Yeah. Or was, yeah. He, he wasn't, he wasn't for, to my knowledge. He wasn't like moving a bunch of weight. No, I, I don't, I don't think he was. Um, but yeah, it was just, he, he the, the reason we went over there all the time to smoke was because obviously, you know, we were all 18 for the most part. Every, every one of us was still living at home with our parents. And he was a little bit older, so he could get beer. And then he had his own apartment, so we could we could smoke in a house and not be hiding in a, a car in a neighborhood somewhere trying to not get caught, you know? Right. And that's kind of why we went there. But he had one of those uh, volcanoes. It's like a big vape thing that puts it into a bag. And then you pass it around, and you just get the THC from it. None of the other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So we would go there all the time, and, and kind of use, not all the time, but we would we would you know use that, and that's why we would kind of go over there. But I mean, other than that, I, I really didn't. And did I, you did you have much interaction with his roommate Austin Alba during that time? No, just just really that those couple conversations. I mean, I'm sure I I'm sure I talked to him while I was at the house, but nothing significant, nothing. You know, I, I couldn't tell you what his favorite color is, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, well, oh, it just, it just reminded, I, when you just said that, it reminded me that, you know, you said about going in a neighborhood and smoking in a car that it's just so, it, 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 it's so interesting to me that, that Javier gave this like detailed description of you and Bo and Corey and him going to, I think even in, gave the neighborhood on the night of the murders that you guys drove to and smoked. Yeah, and just all all of that was just complete bullshit. Like none none of that happened. Yeah, you never yeah, saw him yeah, that night. No. Nope. And, and and that's not. I mean, that wasn't a far fetched story because we did do that. That's what I mean. We would just. It was it was a lot easier for us to go find some quiet neighborhood and hotbox a car and then drive away rather than be the one car sitting in a Alberton's parking lot. You know what I mean? Then you're just like if cops randomly roll by parking lot same just checking stuff out making sure nobody's car getting broken into and now we're getting caught smoking weed you know what i mean right it's just easier to just pull into a neighborhood somewhere smoke usually a nice neighborhood smoke and then leave and then that was it but we did do that but just not that night not that night all right well the other thing i wanted i wanted to touch on is obviously the we've talked about on the show already that the judge wouldn't allow any third-party evidence to come into trial had you were, were you intending had the defense contacted you were you intending on testifying yeah. at trial? Yeah, so I was uh, contacted by uh, Alana from John Dolan's office, and I don't think she still works there. Um, well, the, you, I think you spoke with her before, mm-hmm. um, but that, she had contacted me, and um, and then a PI, I believe, had, had contacted me. And then Alana told me that, you know, they they were going to try to see if I can come down and testify. And at that point, you know, I was still active duty 
in the army and I was at, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. And I was like, look, I mean, I'll do it. I'll, I'll come down and give you everything I got, but you're going to have to subpoena me because my, uh, my chain of command is not just going to take my word for it that I'm going down there to testify. You know what I mean? Right. And then, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, I got the call that said, we, we can't bring you in because the judge won't allow any third party culpability. Basically, any, anything that points to anybody other than Robert and Christian can't get put in, is what right. it sounds like, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, and I don't know who's innocent or guilty in this, but it's, right. it's a shame it, it, that it, they didn't have a fair fight to hear, you know, just to, even right. just everything you just told me. Right. And the other thing, though, that I thought was very strange on Javier's behavior was, I mean, weeks and months after this happened. You know, Javier be gone, and nobody get a hold of them. Sometimes even later in the evening, and be like, "Dude, where, where were you? Like, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, like, if you go up past Pinion Pines on Highway 74, uh-huh. there's a small there's a small lake up there." Yeah, and I I guess um, him and Becky used to go up there and like walk around and, and smoke, and he'd be like, "Oh, I was just up at the lake, you know, smoking and talking to Becky," or. And then, like, one time he was like, he was like, oh, I, I went up to Becky's house. And he, he said that he was trying to find this, apparently there was, like, a glass pipe that was in the shape of, like, an elephant mm-hmm. that he said that he was trying to find. And um, I don't know. To me, it just seemed weird. I was like, is he, and, and again, again, this is all speculation on my part, but like, is he looking for a glass pipe or is he making sure he didn't leave anything behind? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, and I don't know that Javier, you know, necessarily did anything, but mm-hmm. it just seems strange, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you too, I, f- I forgot to ask you earlier. Had you ever been to Becky's house? No, I've never been there. I, I've been to Nick Corline's house several times. It was right down the road. Mm-hmm. The first time I'd ever seen Becky's house was, um, after the fact, I, I didn't see the house. There was nothing left. I saw the foundation of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were going up to um, the spot that Javier talks about, that flat top area uh-huh. uh, for the, where she would hike, because we were doing like a little bonfire party up there, and we had to drive down the road from the Coraline's house, down the dirt road, and it passed. You made a left turn, and you passed right in front of Becky's house. Okay. Um, where where it was? So was that there was uh, a, there was a spot back there where you guys was would just go hiking or was there? Because I've heard people oh, talk about I, it. I, I I had never no. We we went back there just it was the only time that I had been back there. Um, but there, there's that flat top rocket and we were out there at night having a bonfire party. Gotcha. Um, but apparently that's where that's where Becky and uh, her stepdad and stuff would go hiking was kind of back in that area because it wasn't too far from her, her house. But that was the first time I'd ever seen her house was when we were driving by at night and you could kind of see the the foundation and stuff sitting off. Yeah. And and that was that was the first time I'd ever been by her. I mean, I, I didn't even know what her address was, you know. Well, who was all back there for like bonfire? I'm trying to figure out who who all might have been familiar with that area behind her house. Oh, the the whole group, Javier, Bo, Alex, Nick Corline, Corey. Um, Corey's cousin, but he he mentioned his cousin in his interview. I think it was his cousin the night that that they were talking about Nick and Val 
having sex for three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he he was up there uh, that the night that we did the bonfire party. I remember, and he was up there another night when we were at the like the cottage at Nick Corlon's house. Yeah. Um, and there's that girl Sayard, and then Val, and there's a, a couple other people that would come up here and there, not there all the time, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if we had a party, people from school would come up there and um, just kind of... Because Nick Corline's parents were kind of cool, like, like cool, cool about us partying up there. Like, they knew we were partying in there. But I guess, you know, maybe their thought process was, you know, they're going to they're gonna do it no matter what. So yeah. rather, rather than do it here where they're safe than out somewhere and then drive home and get, get in a drunken car accident, you know? Sure. Where you guys would go back for the bonfire, did you have to drive back there, or, or did you walk back? Yeah, we drove back there. I had my um, my expedition, uh-huh. and then I, I, I had followed, um, I think Nick Coraline was kind of leading the way, because he knew, he lived up there, so he knew better than anybody else how to get out there. And then uh, Alex Coulon had a Jeep Grand Cherokee that he was in front of me, and then I think... Uh, Corey and his cousin were behind me, but it was kind of like a little convoy rolling out there, you know? Is there just like a little uh, two track that runs back to it? Yeah. It's just, it's like a little, yeah. So I'm not gonna say a goat trail, but it's, it's wider than that. Maybe like a little, like, you know, quad trail or something back there that, that you could get back there, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'm just asking. It, cause wasn't, I, it wasn't like super treacherous terrain back there. You know, if you, if you got a, if you've got a SUV or a truck, it wasn't, wasn't bad. And you're going to make it back there in a, in a, you know, a Honda Civic. <laughs> right. But, but like Nick made it back there with his, his little red truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the reason I'm asking about it, cause you know, one of the theories that I have in the case is that whoever did this parked somewhere else and walked to the crime yeah. scene to leave. I heard that. I heard that. Cause you mentioned something about that trail that goes back and down, down the mountain, which I didn't know about. until I, yeah. And we checked that, that, that didn't look like it was drivable. No one could have got down there. But it just, it's yeah. it's curious that it was so, so there was a spot where you guys had been to where you could drive back and park and, and I guess presumably you could right. walk it's up to Becky's house like from a, there. It's almost like a, back, back there, that flat, flat, flat rock or flat, whatever they call it. Um, uh, it's almost kind of like a, a little cul-de-sac back there on a, like, but like dirt, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it kind of just circles around and then. We would kind of park around and then have the bonfire in the middle, and that was that was it. Okay. You know? Was it close enough that if that someone could like park back in there and walk up to Becky's? No, I, I mean, you, well, I guess you could, you, you probably, could. but it would, take, it would take. I mean, it was probably a seven or eight minute drive. Uh, it take you probably twenty minutes walking, especially because. It's kind of up. I, I if what I remember is pretty uphill coming out. So, mm-hmm. so it would be a little um, bit of a little bit of a hike. I mean, I mean, you could do it. You could do it, but I don't. I mean, not you're not doing it super fast, you know. Right. Or or maybe even if you parked somewhere along that was was it remote enough that if you would like pulled a car back there anywhere on that two track. Oh that, yeah, there, there's, oh yeah. There's a there's a burnout van down there that I don't even know if anybody. <laughs> you know, it might be a stolen van or something that's back there. It's just. Mm-hmm. This old, like abandoned van, just sitting back there, you know. Yeah, where it where it comes back out into the road, which I'm assuming is on Alpine. If you said you'd return and go past Becky's house, 
where it comes yeah. back into the road, were there any houses right there, or was it a spot where you could get in and out of there with anybody I, seeing no. you? Well, if there were houses there, I, I could maybe they were covered by a, a tree line or something, or, or like those big Caruso bushes out there, because right. um, I didn't see any lights. And I mean, it was it was dark when we went out there, um, and and there's no street lights out there, you know. There's no street right. lights. You're not going to see, you know. So if, if there was houses closer to that, I, I didn't see them just because we were we were going out there at night, and, and I was I wasn't really, you know. The, the only time I was really staring out the windows when we passed by Becky's house, because I was like, damn, that's crazy, like, you know. Yeah. Like, other than that. You know. Sure. All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate all the info. Um, I don't. I don't think I've got anything else for you unless you have anything else you want to add. No, I. I think I, I made some bullet points before I sat, sat down and talked with you to make sure that and I, I. I checked them all off. So, like I said, I mean, I. I had information. I didn't know if it was something substantial or, or you know, but that's not for me to decide. So, I did want to. I never got to tell anybody. So I. I mean, I did want to get a chance to to get it out there because sure. I mean, in my honest opinion, I, I think there's, you know innocent guys sitting in prison for life right now you know right yeah and and i think every bit of information is is everything is relevant especially when we're trying to figure out what the hell and it kind of it makes it even more confusing (laughs) you're also wasn't with all you guys but something's going on there i don't know what it is but but yeah so so it's definitely helpful and i I really appreciate it yeah no problem man anything i can do to help you know if I can remember anything else, I'll, I'll shoot you a text message or something. All right, man. That sounds great. And I'll let you go. All right. Take, Take care, care, bud. Bye. Bye. Nick leaves us with a lot to unpack. Some of the information he shared with us we've heard before, like the fact that he and Alex Vulan both recalled the incident where Austin Alba came up to them at the mall and said something to the extent of, you know what happened to the last bitch I didn't like. But then we also have some new information. Nick shared the story of finding a gas can in the trunk of Javier's car within a week of the murders. And we also hear that Austin had a shotgun that he was showing off to Nick before the murders occurred. But most importantly, we now have confirmation from a second person that Bonash and Nick Crum were not with Javier on the night of the murders. He used them as his alibi, and Corey Donovan confirmed that alibi in his very strange interview. But Bo never mentions being with Javier that night, and Nick now explicitly tells us that he wasn't with Javier that night. What's also interesting from both of them is that they were supposed to be with Javier that night, and they were supposed to see Becky. And yet, they never saw Javier, and of course, they never saw Becky. We'll have a lot to discuss in this week's follow-up, and between now and then, I'm going to post as bonus episodes... Nick's 2015 and his 2016 interviews throughout this week. So if you're one of the people that just wants all of the information, keep a lookout on your podcast feed because those episodes will be coming up in the next couple of days. And if you just want to go with what we're talking about on the main show, then we'll talk about the rest of this interview and more in this week's Friday follow-up. Truth 
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at Bob Ruff Truth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. We'll be right back.